If you're a straight white male, then you're part of the oppression system. But if you're a straight white male who weighs 600 pounds, now you're a victim. Well, back in the 1920s after World War I, a group of Marxists in Germany got together and said, where's the uh, world revolution? Where's the workers of the world uniting and rising up? Didn't happen. And uh, they were based at a place called the Institute for Marxism, which was located in Frankfurt, Germany. And so this philosophical think tank became known as the Frankfurt School. And over time, they began to realize that capitalism was producing so much wealth for regular people that it wasn't going to be the workers who were going to be the vanguard of the revolution. My God, in America, they have indoor toilets and cars. So they had to find another way to bring around this, this Marxist revolution, and they decided that the vanguard would be the dispossessed. In other words, the victims. That is the entire strategy of critical theory, is you make everybody into a victim, turn them against the center, and the more victims you can recruit, the more you can wear away at this foundation of freedom, and so on, and so on, and so on. So now the question is, well, what's next? I am Bill Whittle with Steve Green and Scott Ott, folks, and uh, and this particular episode is what is going to be the next victimhood class, and to me it's crystal clear. I'm seeing signs of it everywhere. Uh, Steve, we've watched the trans movement over the course of the last three or four years go from something that, oh, you know, I'm sympathetic. If Uncle Bob wants to call himself Aunt Betty, I got no problem with that, to, to um men being named women of the year to men being uh, the, the winning sports records, crushing Olympic records. And, and damn you, you will accept this. And if you don't, then you're, you're a Nazi. Uh, I'm seeing exactly this kind of rhetoric, exactly this kind of mindset from fat people. There is a fat movement and it's not just fat acceptance. It's not, it's not just them saying, don't make fun of me because you're fat. Cause making fun of anybody is just not cool. Just don't, you know, just don't do that. Make fun of, of who they are rather than what they are. If you're going to make fun of them. But we're seeing it again and again and again. Most prominently, we're seeing endless numbers of TikToks from mostly white fat women who are saying that the idea of, of, uh, of obesity being dangerous is a, is a medical fiction that, um, that, that, will openly say being fat isn't unhealthy. What's unhealthy is dieting. That's what's that's what's causing heart attacks and, and all the rest of it. So once again, it's this kind of magical thinking. But Steve, the reason I started with the Frankfurt School is because if you're going to have a philosophy based on elevating the victim, then you got to have a fresh supply of victims. My feeling about the trans movement is not to turn kids either into trans kids or to turn them gay. It's to turn them into victims. Yes. It's to make them feel like they're being oppressed by someone or something. And now we're seeing this exact same uh, rhetoric with, with, with fat people who are saying that, look, there's nothing unhealthy about being fat. There's nothing wrong with being fat. And I'm being oppressed by a skinny patriarchy that is trying to force me to conform to these, you know, normative standards. Yeah. Well, you look at obesity rates, uh, particularly in this country, and everybody has fat friends, either that or you you, you have no friends. And I don't <laughs> judge. I've, 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 I have friends who have battled weight issues their entire lives. I don't think they're bad people. I don't judge them for that. Uh, if they want encouragement, I'll, I'll give them encouragement. Uh, that's, what you, that's what you do for your friends. But you can't pretend like this isn't a, a health issue. It's a huge health issue. Uh, obesity leads to severe increased risk of heart attack. Uh, diabetes, just everything. It's it is so hard on your body to be carrying all of this extra stuff. And Bill, as you mentioned on the 
backstage segment available to, to subscribers, uh, the things it does to your vascular system and increases it exponentially. And you, you still just have the, 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 the one heart there to, to move all that blood through all that extra tissue. It's so let's, let's not pretend that it isn't unhealthy. It, it is. And we want nothing more than to, than to help folks. And something's changed in the last 30 years. And I, I think it mostly goes back to, uh, the, the the prevalence of uh, uh, the corn syrup in 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 everything this, it's horrible for you and it makes it incredibly easy to gain weight and incredibly uh, difficult to to lose weight so my heart just goes out to folks who have this problem and there are more and more of them every single year but you have to sort of admire the wickedness of the progressives of the of the Marxists on this. How do you take what is now the majority of people who have a weight problem, a majority, and turn them into a persecuted minority? There is an evil genius at play here, Bill. Uh, it's it's one thing to to uh, to uh, take uh, transgenderism and turn it from a, a tiny minority, a, you know, a fraction of a fraction of one percent of people, and turn it into a social contagion. Uh, that's bad enough. But to be able to flip this around and take a majority and turn them into an oppressed minority, it just it it really goes to show you the uh, not just the, the the evil genius of these Marxists of these progressives, but just what a, a long, difficult battle we have. Uh, I think the tide might turn. I think at some point people go, wait a minute. I'm not a victim. I might be overweight, but, uh, you know, I've got a beautiful family. I've got a beautiful house, whatever it is. There's only so much victimhood you can sell to so many people, or or at least that's my hope. Scott, when the um, when the gay rights movement started to gain a little traction in the late 70s and into the 80s, uh, and the the entire idea of, of not just individual gay people, but gay people as as gay people need to come out of the closet and be accepted by society – the entire argument was predicated on the on the statement that we can't change this. This is not a choice for us. This is who we are biologically. It's not fair to oppress us for for what we're born into. It's not like we committed some kind of thought crime or anything. And that's a compelling argument. They make the same argument with with trans people. Obviously, black people have no control over being black and women have no control over being women and all the other victimhoods you can get to. But this one's different. It's a little different because this one you actually do have some control over. Now, what the reason I say that that fat is the new trans is because I'm seeing in these TikTok videos a militancy about how they are, this is their natural body. This is the way they're born. They have no choice in the matter. They have no control over it. It's simply who they are and it can't be changed. And, and they're at the point now, as with the trans movement, the trans movement has said for the last three or four years, that if you are not willing, if you're a, if you're a heterosexual male and you're not willing to date a trans woman, in other words, a person used to be a male and may still, in fact, be a male. If you're not willing to date that person, then you're a, then you're a transphobe and you're a racist, you're a Nazi, and you and you're all the rest of these things. The the, the fat movement is saying this the same exact thing. If you're not willing to date somebody who's 400 pounds, it's because you're evil, and it's this it's this militancy that is convincing me that this is going to be the next major victimhood struggle that we're going to have to deal with as a country. 
I think part of this is that we all seek acceptance. We all want to be part of something. And, you know, I, I'm actually very excited because here's finally a group I can get into. Um, <laughs> there are just not a whole lot of the oppressed groups that I qualify for, but uh, I think my membership card is in the mail for this one. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do think people want to feel connected. They want to feel like they belong. And so they're historically have been a lot of uh, support groups, whether formed locally in face-to-face meetings. That was the strength of the whole Weight Watchers movement, you know, going back many decades. Um, Online, obviously, that facilitated that. And there are a lot of of mutual encouragement and support groups online for people who are trying to overcome various challenges, including this one. Um, And so, it's that's good because you're getting together with people who are you know sharing your struggle and saying okay let's let's lift each other up let's help each other along let's get to somewhere where we all want to be but there's a certain kind of um defeatism that you fall into when you say essentially no no this isn't something that uh that I want to get better at this is something I want to embrace and just basically declare victory and move on. Um, you know, this is this is who I am. This is the way God made me. Uh, God also gave me this strong arm that enabled me to shovel all these carbs in. <laughs> and I've got one of those arms, brother. Um, so, you know, th- and so I think it's kind of a way of, of emerging from what feels like years or decades of failure with some sense of pride and saying, you know, hey, I'm part of an important group of people. This is how this is how I was made. Um, you you should respect me. Um, I, I I don't. I'm not in the business of condemning anybody for any of this stuff. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. By the same token, I don't expect you to tell me how to live my life. And that I suddenly, you know, unlike you, Bill, I'm not calling Uncle Bob Helen, no matter how much he wants to be called Helen. Um, you know, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. I'll find ways to not address him by name. <laughs> and by the same token, I, I don't feel like I need to feel any sense of obligation or shame or adjust my behavior because somebody suddenly said, hey, this thing that used to be considered aberrant, uh, aberrant behavior or this thing that what people were trying to avoid or grow out of is now being embraced. Um, and one of the things I've noticed, and this is before these videos started to appear, was the willingness of people to appear in public in skin-tight, wafer-thin outfits that with increasing amounts of skin revealed. Um, those things I've always thought were inappropriate on anybody, but it used to be you know just somebody coming back from the yoga studio dressed like that. And now you just see a lot more people who, who basically are saying, hey, like that rapper in the video, I'm out there, Jer. And, <laughs> and I just think in the long run, people are going to be looking back on this and saying, what was I thinking? Well, let me start by saying that I'm outraged by your insensitive comments about my Uncle Helen. <laughs> um, now, the first thing to see in this, in common with the trans movement, the militancy of it, is the idea that if I want to believe something strongly enough, then it's true. And not only is that good for me, but I, but look, whatever you do to make yourself happy, that's fine. It's not my business. But in addition to this now, 
the wishful thinking also says, not only do I believe this, but you now are required to believe it as well. So you can think that a, that a, that a, a person who's been a male his entire life and is 500th in the world in terms of swimming records suddenly declares himself to be a woman. Now he's the fastest woman swimmer alive, wins right. all the gold medals. You can declare that you believe that transmutation that this guy is now suddenly a woman you're allowed to believe that but you want to you want to make us believe it too this is the same thing that i'm seeing on this leading edge of this of this movement to say that any kind of concern any kind of dieting or that 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 being fat is not only not unhealthy it's actually healthy and if you're not willing to date somebody who's 400 pounds then there's something wrong and evil with you these are the the things that i'm that i'm trying you know to fight look I'm six one, and my BMI, which the fat movement is convinced is a is a plot of the patriot patriarchy and big diet, uh, and I'm one eighty three. I most of my adult life I was one seventy seven, but I look at my BMI; it should be one sixty eight. So I am somewhat overweight, and it's and and so I eat less, and I eat less junk, and it's a struggle because junk tastes really good. <laughs> to the yes, degree that the fat movement is. Would be if they were talking about the fact that 30 years ago, as Steve mentioned, uh, you could go to a beach in the 70s and everybody would look like, by today's standards, would look like supermodels. The average caloric intake when I was a kid was 2,500, 2,700 calories. Now they say 2,000 is the limit. And you want to get below that. And we have all these diet and exercises, uh, gyms, and all the rest of this stuff, centers of oppression. So, <laughs> Something is something has changed since then. Uh, one aspect of it, of course, is the fact that they do, in fact, process foods very heavily. That that things like high fructose corn syrup are added to everything, including steak, to make it tastier and more calories come in. But the biggest part of it, of course, is the is the exercise side. You know, we used to ride our bikes everywhere and go play touch football, and and now we um, now we uh, play Madden twenty two, and 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 uh, and we wonder why we're we're gaining all this weight. But the biggest point to be made here, I think, is this one. The reason that this is going to catch fire and why it's going to be a very, very big if issue, I think it's going to be bigger than the trans issue, is because your weight is something that you can control. Unlike the argument for your sexual orientation or your skin color or your, your, your sex, this one you can control. Now, sane people would say that that's good, that, that people who are overweight can through support groups and, and whatever, lose that weight and become healthier. But I don't think that's the reason it's attractive at all. I think the reason that the fat movement is so attractive is because it gives people who have no victimhood status, straight white males as an example, it gives them a pathway to victimhood. If you're a straight white male, then you're part of the oppression system. But if you're a straight white male who weighs 600 pounds, now you're a victim. You're a victim of fat shaming. You're a victim of the fact that you can't find clothing to fit you. You're a victim of the fact that you don't get to travel, that the world is designed for people who are smaller than you, and all of this oppression on you. Congratulations. The Frankfurt School has just recruited another victim. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just not going to buy it. And, and as this victimhood spectrum continues, I suspect the group after uh, the fat uh, rights movement will be the uneducated. There, there, there will be a movement somewhere in the next seven to 10 years where people who have been not only not educated by their schools, but diseducated by them, will claim that any sort of a standard, any kind of a test, any kind of an interview, any kind of a uh, uh, anything that measures their ability to function intellectually 
will be considered oppression and put them into a victimhood group too. And it was, uh, I've forgotten the name of the character on uh, King of the Hill, the, 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 uh, the, the young uh, white daughter who's such an airhead. But I remember the scene very well. She's sitting there in a room and she's, you know, stressing out, studying, and she looks up and she says, you know, uh, tests are racist against dumb people. And, uh, and, and that's exactly what we're going to see. So uh, prepare yourself and, uh, and don't buy the argument, right? Don't buy any of the arguments. None of your business how much you weigh, but you don't get to tell me that I have to change my opinion about this in order to make you comfortable and make you feel better about yourselves. For Steve Green and Scott Out, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.